0: Today on Just Jana, learning how our kids can be our best coaches.
1: This is the Just Jana podcast, a show for mom bosses who are looking for simple strategies and quality information in the areas of fitness, parenting, health, and life in general. Here's Jana.
0: Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this next episode of the Just Jana podcast, Stories from a Mom Boss. If you were with us on the last episode, you would have had the good fortune of hearing an amazing story by my guest. Um, She's joining me again today, but I want to just give her a little bit of an intro before we get back to... um, you know, some of the lessons learned we're going to be gifted from her today. So for over 35 years, Deborah Poneman, best-selling author and founder of Yes to Success Seminars, has shared her system now used by tens of thousands of people in every corner of the globe. Uh, To create lives of not only success and abundance, but deep and profound happiness, self-love, and lasting inner fulfillment. Known as the mentor to the mentors, Deborah's students have used their teachings to become mega successful entrepreneurs, renowned transformational leaders, New York Times bestselling authors, millionaires, billionaires, even household names. But Deborah's greatest gift is her deep belief in each person's magnificent and her ability to convey that belief to activate in her audience members, listeners, and clients profound and lasting inner and outer transformation. I had the really um, awesome experience with uh, meeting Deborah for the first time at a soulful leadership retreat that we were at together. And this woman, you guys just captured my attention from the second she stepped on stage and just started sharing uh, her story. And so I, um, you know what, I felt like I was playing in the big leagues when I was at that conference. And there were all of these, you know, amazing women and men who had really left their mark on society. And so I had to kind of get my courage up to walk over and, and introduce myself. And, um, and you know, we f- filled out, we, we got some time on stage to kind of talk about what, what we each did. And so after I got to say my little story, people could write little cards with their names and emails and you know connect with me and I had like my you know in that movie Top Gun like when Maverick and Goose are like (laughs) setting their focus on um, you know their targets I had my sights on Deborah, and I was like universe have her put up a card for me have her put up a card for me and I finished my pitch on stage and I I had all these hands up, which I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these hands. But I was like, yes, there she was with her hand in the air, with her card, with her email. And she was like, contact me. So that was my um, that was my first kind of yes to, yes to success with Deborah Poneman. So um, everybody, please welcome um, Deborah, uh, And I just, I'm so excited for this part too. If you were with us a week ago, if you weren't with us a week ago, you know what? Go ahead and listen to today's episode, but you're going to want to make sure you go back to part one where we got to really hear how Deborah went from mogul, you know, first class ticket, speaking from stage to thousands of people to giving that all up for her two lovely children and then kind of what she learned through that. And now part two, I'm so excited to hear. So, Deborah, I'm going to just turn things over to you. Thank you so much for coming back for a second episode.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I just, and it's so funny, Janet, when we were at that event together, you stood out for me as well. So it's totally mutual. That means I love what you're all about. I love everything that you do. And um, all right. So when we last left our hero, I was at home. I had given up my career. Um, to be uh, home with my kids. And it was, and you know, one thing that I have to say about that story is that I was also fortunate that I had a husband who um, made sufficient amount of money, actually made a lot of money, that enabled me to be home. And also I want to make it clear that I don't think everybody needs to be a stay-at-home mom to have their kids be like sensational because I think that our kids need to see us out in the world accomplishing. My kids love it when I do something that they can brag about to their friends. Hmm. Do you know? Yeah. But it was just that I was in a position to be able to stay home with my kids. And the reason why I went back to my career, and my career was teaching seminars around the world, is it's a very specific story. One day, my friend Janet Atwood, I don't know if you know her, she Mm. wrote the book The Passion Test. And if any of your listeners have have read The Passion Test, The Effortless Path to Discovering Your Life's Purpose, um, the whole first chapter was about how she took my Yes to Success seminar and then stalked me until I hired her as one <laughs> of my trainers. <laughs> and then she actually had the idea come to her to create the passion test in one of my seminars. Wow. But while she was out becoming a New York Times bestselling author and she was building up her career and speaking in stages around the world, I was home at Chuck E. Cheese. And then one day she says to me, my kids are now like, 21 and 18, you know, and she said to me, Debbie, she called me Debbie, Debbie, when are you going to stop pretending that your kids still need you and get back on the speaking circuit? And I thought about it for a second and I said, you know, Jannie, I don't know if my kids ever really needed me because I've seen great kids be raised by nannies and grandparents and guardian parents Mm -hmm. and foster parents. So, I don't really know if they ever really needed me, but I know that I've needed them. Hmm. And because to me, one, I love you, mommy, is worth more than a thousand standing ovations. Yes. One, you know, putting their arms around me saying, I'm so lucky to have you for a mom. I'd give up anything for those moments, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So, but she was right. No, they were 18 and 21. They didn't need me to read them Harry Potter anymore. So (laughs) I decided that I should probably restart my career, which I did. But um, while I was a mom at home, I learned a concept actually from my son that really... um, Changed uh, a lot about how I did my career, mm. and I'll tell you the story. When my when Daniel was really little, he 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 actually popped out of the womb loving basketball. I'm telling you, before he would walk, he would pick up balls and like throw them into the trash can. And then we realized we should get him a basketball hoop. And then he he loved basketball. Actually, when he was five, when the other kids were having their parties at Chuck E. Cheese, he insisted his party be at Michael Jordan's restaurant, <laughs> and that we go to the United Center afterwards for. Game. The other little five-year-olds didn't have a clue what was going on, but he had to take his picture, you know, next to all of those mannequins, you know, of, of course Walter Jordan and BJ Armstrong and all the people who were stars back then, Dennis Rodman. So anyway, um, and then as he got older, he was a good basketball player. And he actually made the eight team when he was a freshman. The problem was is that he was the only white kid on the team. And White kids decidedly cannot jump, and that has (laughs) to be the truth. Maybe once in a while, but you know. And, um, but he had to go to all of the games. He went to the freshman games, and the junior varsity, and the varsity games, and he noticed that he had an eye for talent. And he would be able to, when they would go to the games all over the city, he would know which kids were gonna be recruited by the best um, colleges, and even who would go into the NBA one Mm. day. So he started a recruiting website, and he started um, making videos, and he would send them out to college um, coaches and say, you know, this is somebody you might want to look at. And he became known as the go-to scout in Chicago at the age of 16. As a matter of fact, there was a full-page article about him in Sports Illustrated. (laughs) College hoops coaches seek the advice of a 16-year-old scout. Okay. Wow. So he's known all over the country and people come, big coaches come in just by his word to scout high school kids that he recommends. We'd be at the dinner table. He'd say, I got I got to take this call. It's Bill Carmody. It's Bruce Weber. I mean, he he was, he was (laughs) the man. So one day he comes home and he says to me, mom, I just realized something The people like the Derrick Roses of the world don't need me. They're going to be discovered anyway. But I want to help the Division II kids Hmm. get scholarships, the kids who might fall under the radar. And the only way they would be seen by college scouts is if they were in showcases. But the showcases were often, you know, $150, $200. And the kids in the inner city of Chicago, by and large, could not afford that. So Daniel says, I'm going to start, I'm going to start a nonprofit and I'm going to put on free showcases for the kids in the neighborhoods. And we all, when the way we parent, one of the ways we parent it, we never discouraged our kids' ideas, no mm-hmm. matter how crazy they were, we would say, if that idea came to you, <laughs> you, it came to you for a reason, yeah. you go. Yeah. And um, so his first showcase, there were about 10 coaches and 30 kids. And the showcase he did last year, there were 350 kids and 150 coaches. Wow. And today he's generated over $50 million in scholarships
0: wow, for dear.
2: kids in Chicago. But here's the concept that I learned from him. So he would, um, he actually, now everybody's going to go, oh, ah! He actually dropped out of high school in the senior year because he came home and he said to me one day, "Mom, I don't care about trigonometry. I don't care about physics. I don't. I'm never going to use it in my life. I care about getting these kids scholarships. I can't go to school anymore. I can't do this." Hmm. You, you know, and I said, "You're not going to get an argument from me hmm. because I feel the same way about our school system." <laughs> and um, and if he wanted to follow his heart and contribute to the planet you go. But the problem was, was that he wouldn't take any money for what he was doing. Well, it's against um, NCAA rules to take any kind of money from coaches. Mm. But I I kept saying to him, Daniel, you're generating millions of dollars in scholarships. There has to be a way that you can make some money. And he said to me, mom, just trust me. I'm building relationship capital. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting concept. Okay. And then as time went on, and he still wasn't making any money, he's generating, you know, millions more in scholarships. I said, Daniel, don't you think there's like maybe just like make some money to pay for the gas? <laughs> he says, really? You just would you just be with me on this because I'm building relationship mm-hmm. capital, and I promise you, it's the most important capital that I that I could raise. Fast forward. Daniel, um, he decided to make a movie on so that people could know what life is really like for these kids in the hood. And he made a movie called Shot in the Dark. And one of the people who he had relationship capital with gave him almost half a million dollars to make his movie. Wow. He had relationship capital with Dwayne Wade, who's one of the stars of the NBA and um, Chance the Rapper. Hmm. Because when Chance was just some kid in Chicago, Daniel would bring tons of kids to his his concerts. So they were the executive producers of his movie. And um, then he started getting all of these opportunities for consulting jobs because other people wanted to do what Daniel was doing. And he's, you know, he's, he's starting to make more money than I am. And it's all with people who he had built relationship capital with. So one more part of the story, by the way, his movie shot in the dark was nominated for an Emmy for best long form sports documentary it was picked up by Fox and they paid him a ton of money for it. And then he started his own um, uh, management firm. Okay, and now he manages NBA players and NFL players and and um, but he does it to make money to support what he loves, which is putting on a showcase. He's now expanded and he brings in kids from Africa. He's got a ton of African kids to come from like the poorest of the poor areas, but they're very tall and he's gotten them (laughs) scholarships to come to the U.S. And he never does it for the glory. As a matter of fact, his, his showcase used to be called the Daniel Poneman um, uh, Swag Air Showcase. And then so an NBA player, Evan Turner, mm-hmm. offered to give him like a big amount of money to support his showcase. Because the way the, sh- the showcases were supported was me hitting up my friends for <laughs> donations. <laughs> <laughs> so when Evan Turner, so he changed the name to the Evan Turner Showcase. I said, Daniel why are you changing it to the Evan Turner Showcase? He says, mom, as usual, calm down. (laughs) Yeah, He says, mom, if more people are going to come to the showcase, if it's going to benefit more kids because they see Evan Turner's name, I'm not doing this for fame and fortune and having my name on the showcase. I'm doing it for the kids. Yeah. Okay, Daniel. Anyway, so here's the moment. So I start talking about, and it's so funny because my friends used to say to me, how can you let him sleep on your couch? He should go get a job. And, and at first I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to keep telling him he needs to raise some money and then make some money. And then later on, I would say, you know, I would say to my friends, you know, you really got to chill. He's building relationship capital. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, his firm, his management firm, which is called beyond beyond athlete management Um, One of the people who we built relationship capital with gave him a couple million dollars to start that firm. Wow. And so, but here is my moment where I thought, okay, if I could die right now, I could die happy. I said to him, you know, Daniel, I teach this concept relationship capital and I tell everybody their, your story about how I learned this from you. And he says, mom, wait a second. He said, I learned it from you. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know that story that you tell about how you have to treat everybody as the most important person in the world and about how when um, Marcy Shimoff came to your seminar and she was just this little college student, you know, happy little bouncy college student who said you want she wanted to work for you. And you explained that you didn't look around the room to see if there is somebody more important to mm. talk to but you gave her your full attention and you treated her because the person in front of you at any given moment is the most important person in the world. And then you tell the story about how years later, when she became the number one female nonfiction best-selling author of all times, when she wrote chicken soup for the woman's soul and the mother's soul, hmm. mother's soul too, and the Couple soul and how, when she was offered to write chicken soup for the American Idol soul, but she couldn't because she was under contract for another book. And they said to her, who do you know who knows American Idol backwards and forwards and who is a great writer? She immediately thought of you. Mom, that's relationship capital. And then I was handed a best-selling book to write because it was the number one TV series and the number one book series of all time. Uh-huh. And I was just given that book to write. And then he said and and then he pointed out all of the other ways. Like when I came back on the speaking scene after having been gone being a mom at home for 21 years, the first person who got me a speaking gig was my kid's babysitter. Because I treated her like the most important person in the world. And she went on to, uh, she and her husband have a, a company called Viva Creative, which puts on all of the events for like um, Geico and Mary Kay. They even put on the presidential breakfast. They put on, and as soon as she knew I was back on the scene, there got me are. a speaking like that. And also Janet Atwood, who I had, a, let, become my first trainer. She was invited, nobody knew me, but she was invited to speak at live events. And she would say, You have to invite my friend Debbie to speak also. Relationship capital. And then Marcy years later invited me to join her teaching Your Year of Miracles, which became an international phenomenon. And our first year, when we offered um, Your Year of Miracles, we did over a million dollars in revenue relationship capital so that's what I learned from my kids
0: (laughs) so many really amazing little nuggets that I've been able to to pull out of our out of our conversation together and I think um you know since since meeting you some of these concepts you know like making the person in front of you like the most important because you know what you see um we were out for dinner a little while ago and um we have a rule in our family that, you know, phones go away when we are out and we're spending time together. But we looked over and actually I didn't notice at first, one of my sons did. And he said, mom, look at that little boy. And so it was a younger boy, I'm going to say like maybe three or four years old. And then an older sister, maybe eight or nine, old enough to have her own phone. But his parents and his sister were all on their phone. It was clear they had ordered because they had drinks and stuff like that. And this poor little guy was just kind of like, he was just kind of looking around. And I think that's what caught my son's attention was he was kind of, their eyes met and they were smiling at each other. And, you know, we were kind of making little funny faces at him. And, you know, when I came back to this, make the person in front of you like the most important, um, I think our society is kind of going backwards a little bit and it's not that i didn't know that but when you set it on stage it's something now that's deeply rooted in the you know in the front of my mind and just even making eye contact in a different way just with someone you're walking you know down the street and you're passing I counted one day that I had 12 smiles in two blocks just walking from my vehicle to a meeting I was going to and it's become this thing now like how many smiles can I generate in where you know wherever I'm going so so thank you for that gift that you've given me I know that our listeners today um, have also I mean the story of Daniel we were able to watch the documentary Shot in the Dark and um, you know Jason and the three boys and I there was not a word spoken through that entire documentary and you guys if you get a chance to to watch it um please do because it follows the lives of these kids in chicago and um you know it is it's part of the story that we either pretend isn't happening or know it's happening and it's just enough of an uncomfortable situation where we just don't allow ourselves to go there and be educated um your family will love it. It doesn't matter if you're into basketball or not. The messages are, you know, they will knock you right between the eyes. You will laugh. You will cry. And um, that's what I feel like these two episodes with you have been, Deborah. Do you have, I know you have a, a gift for, for our listeners, but any kind of, you know, anything maybe you want to leave our listeners with as we wrap this second um, of the two-part episodes?
2: Yes. I'm just going to tell you, um, one of the exercises that I do at my live events Mm. is I give people a taste of what it feels like to not be treated like the most important person Mm. in the world. And I have people pair up and one person takes out their (laughs) phone and the other person shares a story that is really important to them about what's going on in their life. And the other person is checking their their texts and looking up every few seconds saying, no, 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 I'm listening. I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And it really squelches that, that impulse to take out your phone and do that because then they switch and then they know how it feels. And then what I do is after they feel what it's like to not be treated as the most important person in the world, I tell them to now look in each other's eyes Mm -hmm. and ask yourself, If God came to you in this form, would you recognize him? Hmm. Because we all are just a piece of God on earth. And um, then they see in that other person's eyes what it's like to be looked at as a precious, valuable um, person, which is who we all are.
0: You have this uncanny ability to pull on heartstrings like... (laughs) if you do it on purpose or if it's, I think it's just a part of who you are. So, uh, you know, and, and um, it almost makes me feel a little raw and vulnerable, which I'm getting more comfortable being there. Um, so d- do you want to share your gift? <laughs> the
2: gift. Yes. So I have uh, an ebook that I wrote and actually I tell stories about my kids in the ebook too. And there's a, even some pictures in it. There's a picture of me and my son. And I think a picture of me and my daughter and um, and a picture of my, me and my business partner, Marcy mm. Scheimoff. So it's a great ebook. It's called The Five Secrets to a Life of True and Lasting Success. And you can get it if you go to yes to Success. Dot com and that's y e s t o success yes to success.com forward slash ebook very um, creative
0: well i, I <laughs> we like we like clear and simple i think that's what we why why muddy the waters so i'm also going to put that link gang into the show notes for today's episode debra thank you again so much for your time and you know sharing your story i think that as moms I mean even I know there's people on the podcast listening that maybe aren't you know moms um in the way that we use the term but as women who are you know, members of our community, uh, you know, volunteering, just giving of our nurture-driven you know, selves, um, thank you so much. It is refreshing to hear just the stories, the lessons, and I know that we are all better for spending this time with you. So thank you very much.
2: And thank you for inviting me.
0: Awesome. All right, everybody, we will catch you on the next episode of Just Jana. Have an amazing rest of your day.
1: To get in touch with Jana, go to leadpilates.com or for information about her online studio, head over to metadistrict.com. Recorded and produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Please give me love. Listen. It's what we're hoping for every day, of our audience, our fans, our customers, that they listen to who we are, to what we are. But it only happens when your idea is delivered well, in a way that makes them feel the message. Using every audio resource available today, Sound Lounge by T-Bone takes the intention and captures it, enhances it, and presents it to your audience with power and purpose. Whether you're shooting a movie, recording a song, crafting a brand, or simply putting a story down for the future, consider T-Bone. Dedicated to the craft of audio engineering. He will deliver the attention your project deserves. Sound Lounge by T-Bone.